Well, hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to our online family. If you're watching in the service, that's awesome. If you're watching later on in the week, it's so good to be with you. And especially if you are here for your first time, maybe we haven't met before. My name is Jean-Michel. I'm one of the leaders here at Victory. And it's so good to bring the word this morning. And I was seeking God this week for what he wanted to say to his people. What does God want to say to us today? And I was kind of searching through many different places, but the thing that really dropped on my heart at this point in time is the word health, that God wants us to be healthy people, people of health. In fact, we need to be as, as the church, or we should be as the church, kind of the picture of a healthy body, a healthy mind, a healthy lifestyle throughout the world. People should be able to look to the church to find what it means to be healthy. We serve a good, powerful, and healthy God who promises health to us. And today, what I just want to start kind of digging into for a moment is this idea of health, the way that we think in our minds that influences our bodies, the way we act, the things that we do. Check this out, church. There is a hope inside of every single one of us to be recognized. What does that mean, to be recognized? We want to be recognized for who we are, for what we do, for the achievements that we have, the great things that we do, our accomplishments. We want to be recognized for who we are. We want to be recognized by the people around us, our families, our friends, our church. We want to be recognized, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, every single one of us has this need. Even those of us, if you're like me, that says, you know what, I don't need the, uh, the approval of other people, you know, I don't really care what other people think, right? We all have a need for recognition in our lives, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. You know, sometimes just in our day-to-day -day lives, it would be great just to be recognized for the effort that you put in. Maybe you are a hard-working mom at home. You do all the effort. You put in all the effort to wash the dishes, to make sure there's lunch ready, to get everyone ready for school in the morning. And then everyone comes in, grabs their lunch and gets on, moves on to school, moves on to work without so much as a thank you. Sometimes it might just be nice to be recognized for once, for all the effort that you put in. Some of us feel that way at work. You know, we put in all the effort. We stay late hours. We put in more effort than is necessary. Go the extra mile. And then someone else gets the promotion or someone else gets the recognition for something that we have done. I remember so many times in high school and university having to do group projects, right? That evil word, group projects, right? And putting in all the hours of effort to make the thing work and dragging along these boat anchors who did absolutely nothing for the project, yet in the end, they get the recognition for the effort that I put in. I don't know how many of you have felt this way in your lives, and I don't know how many of you even feel that way right now. But I felt like God wanted us to talk about this today. And so this a message has been titled Unrecognized, Unrecognized. And as we open this subject up, we're just going to pray for a moment. So 
come, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that your spirit would come and just move in this sermon, Lord. That this message is not something just for us to hear, but it's something that actually wants to set us up. God, you want us to live healthy lives. You want us to be physically healthy, but also mentally and spiritually healthy. And so I pray that you start to speak into the way we think and how we are so that we can find that space of health, that you can flow your love and your light through every part of our lives. And so we ask for your spirit to come and move in us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you're ready for this word, type amen in the chat. Give us a thumbs up, interact with us today. I wanna say this, that this kind of need for recognition is something inbuilt to all of us. So it's not inherently unhealthy, but it so quickly becomes something damaging to your relationships and even to yourself, the way you think about yourself. In fact, the needs that you might have, you know, this need is inherently, it's just part of us. It's not inherently bad, but it can become destructive to us. And to understand this, or maybe to just unpack this a little bit, I really just wanna look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was the son of God. And yet for most of his walk here on earth, he was never recognized for who he really was. Even to the people that he ministered to, even to the people that he did supernatural works to, miracles, where he healed people or he fed 5,000 people, he did all kinds of amazing things. Even those people sometimes did not recognize who Jesus was. Do you know that even some of his disciples didn't quite make up their minds about who Jesus was all the way through to when he was on the cross, dead and resurrected? In fact, some of those disciples never believed that Jesus was God. Some of them even fell away, even after the resurrection. How crazy is that? You know that who I'm talking about is, is disciples that were part of the followers of Jesus, not necessarily part of the 12. There were many people who followed Jesus, including the 12 who were close to him. But some of those disciples, some of those people that had left jobs and left things to follow Jesus, didn't even believe that he was God, sometimes until he was resurrected or, or even after that. In fact, some of Jesus' family didn't even believe who he was, didn't even recognize who he was. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the life of Jesus coming down to earth to be part of this thing and to connect with humanity who he loved so much from the foundation of the earth and immediately he was unrecognized by the people around him. Even in Jesus, there was a need to be recognized. Even in the humanity of who he was, this need was there. And I believe that we can see through Jesus' life what it means to have a healthy need for recognition. We can also see what is an unhealthy need for recognition. And that unhealthy thing, God's going to get rid of it and he's going to touch us. and He's going to change the way we think today. And so to unpack this a little bit, I want to talk a bit about John the Baptist. Okay, so who was John the Baptist? John the Baptist was actually Jesus' cousin. He is mentioned in the word. He was about six months older than Jesus. And at the time when Jesus was alive on earth, John the Baptist was also a religious leader in that sense. He had followers. He had disciples just like Jesus. He did 
sometimes strange and, and interesting things. But John the Baptist, his namesake, the Baptist, is is there because he was actually the first person to really start baptizing people in water for the forgiveness of sins. Now, for us here in our modern day, that's not that big of a deal. You know, we're very used to baptism being a part of our everyday lives. But at the time of Jesus, baptism was not a normal thing, especially baptism for the forgiveness of sins. If you know anything about Jewish culture and how it worked, especially in Jesus' time, is that there was uh, one day a year, the Day of Atonement, when they would sacrifice sacrificial lamb and it would cover the sins of the whole of Israel for a year. That is how you atone for sins, right? In fact, According to the law, if you sinned or you did something wrong, you could then uh, take a sacrifice to the temple and depending what, it, what you had done or what you were guilty of, there were different kinds of sacrifices. And as you sacrifice to Jesus or to God, uh, he would forgive or cover over your sins and atone for them. But now John the Baptist comes along and he starts doing this whole baptism in water thing, which by itself is weird enough, right? Immersion in water. But then not just for that, but it's for the forgiveness of sins. And so John the Baptist, you can imagine, got a really big name for himself. People knew about this guy, and they knew how weird and strange and different he was. Everybody knew who John the Baptist was, even if they just heard stories, right? Even though they had heard of him, that doesn't mean they recognized him. Come on, how many of us feel this way? People know us, they know what we do, they even celebrate some of the things that we do, but they don't really recognize us for who we really are. How many of you feel that way in your family? Like your parents, they know you, they celebrate parts of you, but they don't really know the real you. You still feel unrecognized. And in all of this, right, in John the Baptist's story, Jesus knew exactly who John the Baptist was. Now, there's this interesting thing about John the Baptist, and he had what the word talks about as the spirit of Elijah or the anointing of Elijah. In fact, in Mark and Matthew and Luke, Jesus actually says that John the Baptist was Elijah. Now, we don't really know how this works or exactly what that means, whether he was the reincarnated Elijah or whether it was just the anointing and spirit of Elijah on him. Either way, John the Baptist represented Elijah to the people. So now, what, what, what was that all about? Why was it so important for John the Baptist to represent Elijah? That's an interesting question. And just for a moment, I just want to teach us a little bit so that we understand a little bit more about this relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist. He represented Elijah because in the Jewish tradition, right, they had prophesied Isaiah, Jeremiah, even Elijah. There are so many prophecies of the coming Messiah, Right? And we know from hindsight and from our privilege point that that Messiah is Jesus Christ. But at the time, people were on the lookout all the time for who might be the Messiah. And now John the Baptist had to come. Why? Because according to Jewish tradition, Elijah had to first come back before the Messiah could come 
to the fourth. Okay, so the whole idea is that there's this, this scripture where it says a voice will cry out from the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. This is Elijah's voice. This is the voice of Elijah. And so then John the Baptist comes along and he actually embodies this idea and he becomes the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for Jesus. And we see that early in Jesus' walk because John the Baptist with his disciples sees Jesus and says to everyone, look, 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 do not value me. In fact, I must decrease so that he must increase because I might baptize you in water, but he will baptize you with fire. And John was preparing the way. This idea of him baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins was a foreshadowing of the inward work that Jesus would do in every single one of us, baptizing us not just in water, but in the Holy Spirit. And just reviving us, connecting us back to God in that a beautiful and amazing way. This is what John the Baptist was doing, preparing the way for Jesus. And he knew it. When he saw Jesus, he knew exactly who Jesus was. And Jesus knew exactly who John was. And so the story moves forward. John understood what no one else understood is that Jesus was the Messiah. And so there's a recognition between John and Jesus, Elijah and Messiah. And it starts to move this whole thing forward. But then something interesting happens. After this whole episode where John recognizes Jesus, time moves on. And in fact, a number of years move on. And Jesus goes about his ministry and John goes about his ministry and they develop disciples and Jesus is doing all kinds of amazing things all over the place. And at some point, John gets thrown in prison, all right? And as he's in prison, he realizes that his circumstances have kind of changed. And when he looks at those circumstances, he has a very interesting response to all of this, or can I rather say reaction? And this is something you can write down if you're taking notes. Sometimes the closest ones to you are the ones who don't recognize you the most. Sometimes the ones who are closest to you are the ones who disregard you the most. How many of us have had that experience where people we don't know recognize us, but our friends, our close ones, our families don't recognize us for who we are and for what we do. And that has a profound and deep hurtful effect on our lives, especially with our parents, for example, when we're kids and it feels like our parents don't recognize us. That can have a profound effect on how we are. There are people walking around the world today who are so broken inside, in need of attention an affection from people because they never got it from the ones who were closest to them. Today, I'm talking to parents in the house. Take a minute to recognize your kids for the amazing people they are. Take a minute to actually say to them, you know what, you are my child. I recognize you for who you are. I love this about you. I love how great you are. I love how good at art you are. I love how creative you are. I love how amazing at math you are. I love how sporty you are. I love you. You are my child. Come on. The more we say that, the more secure a child becomes in who they are, even in you. 
I'm also talking to some parents who are raising some teenagers now, and maybe you even did that before, and it's not really working now, and you feel there's distance and things going on. I'll tell you this right now. Let your love, even in the difficult moments, just rest on your children. Because as you become that solid rock that recognizes them for who they are, not just who they might be or your version of who they are, they will come back to you. Come on, parents. You have this huge responsibility and God will give you the wisdom to do it. Recognize your kids. Sometimes the closest ones to us are the ones that disregard us the most. And you see, John had a picture of who Jesus was supposed to be in his mind. He wasn't looking at Jesus for who Jesus was. Even though he had seen him before for who he was, the Messiah, he still had an image, a picture of who he thought Jesus should be in his mind. And when Jesus didn't match up to that picture, John sends his disciples. He's in prison and he sends some of his disciples to Jesus. You can read this in the book of Mark and Matthew. And he says to Jesus, or the disciples say to him, John has sent us to ask you a question. Are you the one we've been waiting for or must we search for another? I find that fascinating because while John exclaims to everybody, his disciples and everyone around that this is the Messiah, I must decrease so he must increase, give it two years and one prison sentence and now John is questioning whether Jesus is even who he says he was, who he thought he was. He had a picture of who Jesus was in his mind. We do this all the time. Come on, it's not just when we have the need for recognition. It's when we look at other people, we don't recognize them for who they are. We recognize them for who we think they should be. It's unhealthy. And it's dangerous. But when we choose to have a healthy mindset, to look at the people around us for who they are, not who we think they should be, we form these beautiful, life-giving, sustaining, supportive relationships that actually bring life to each other. And families and friends, communities like the church, recognizing one another for who we are, not just who we think we should be. And so... When Jesus gets this question from John's disciples, he responds in a beautiful way and he, he just reassures them. We'll dig into that another day, but he says, you know, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the good news is preached to the poor, the sick are healed. Go and tell him all the things you have seen and heard and remind him that, yes, I am the Messiah. You can have faith in that. Sometimes the closest ones to you are the ones who disregard you the most. And I wonder how Jesus felt in this moment and in all of these ideas. The Pharisees reject him. They should recognize him. The Sadducees reject him. They should recognize him. The religious leaders and teachers of the law, they should recognize him, but they reject him. His disciples, they should recognize him. They reject him. His cousin, John, he should recognize him, but he doesn't always recognize him. And deeper than even that, Jesus' family, who should recognize him from the moment, I mean, his parents experienced his miraculous birth, yet, get this, there's this scripture where Jesus goes around Galilee, it's all found around the same place in the book of Mark, in the book of Matthew, and he's busy healing people, and his 
his family, his brothers, and even his mother come to get him, come to seize him, come to take him, because they are saying to everybody, he's lost his mind, he's out of his mind. Can you imagine Mary, who went through this amazing experience of encountering an angel and being um, made pregnant in a supernatural way, still doesn't see Jesus for who he is. Wow, and you and me, we're sitting in our jobs, we're being unrecognized, we're sitting in our families or our church or wherever we are and we feel like we're not being recognized. Jesus shows us what it means to be secure because in his humanity, the fact that Jesus' family didn't even recognize who he was could have destroyed him and it destroys so many people because we, we find our value in how other people recognize us. Come on, this is another unhealthy way that recognition works. We, we find our value in what other people think about us. You look around at this world, this world of Instagram and selfies and followers. And, you know, we live in an amazing world. Technology is amazing. Social media is a great tool. But there's also something divisive and destructive within all of these things where people actually search for and need and fulfill their need for attention, their need to be recognized, their need for value comes from others. But here, right in this moment, Jesus teaches us where our value comes from. In this moment when his parents, his mother and his his brothers come, and even later on again they come again, he says to the people around, he says, you know what, that's not my family, these are my family. If you do the work of God, my disciples, the people following me, in fact, this whole world is my family. You see, Jesus did what we cannot. He looked beyond the physical. He took one step back and he saw into the supernatural that in fact, he wasn't just there for his own family. He wasn't just there for his cousin. He wasn't just there for his disciples. He was there for the whole world. And his value was never going to be found in his immediate family, but his value was to be found in his purpose that God had created him for. And so there's a moment where this all comes together, and this is where I'm going to bring us to in this, in this message. I want us to really understand what God is trying to say to us. There's this moment where all of it comes together, and the reality of God's viewpoint, of God's opinion, outweighs all the rest. Come on, God's opinion of you, can I just say it, is way more important than your spouse's opinion of you. It's more important than your family's opinion. It's more important than your boss's opinion. In fact, it's more important than your opinion about yourself. Because another way that we are so unhealthy in this recognition thing is that depending how other people have valued us, recognized us, we start to define ourselves and we stop recognizing ourselves for who God made us to be. But come on, God's opinion outweighs them all. We call this moment the transfiguration of Jesus. And it's one of those crazy, amazing moments in the word. And I'm just going to unpack it a little bit. And then we're going to bring this message down to where you and I can understand how to live healthy in our own self view, how to live secure in a world of insecurity. So this is what happens. Jesus goes up a mountain. 
and he takes just three of his disciples, James, Peter, and John. They were the three closest ones to him. They go up a mountain. And the word says there that he was transfigured. It means he was changed. His even form, his body, his bodily form changed. And he began to shine with a bright light. He began to, to be different to who he usually was. He didn't anymore look like Jesus. He was transfigured. And in this moment, Moses comes down and Elijah comes down. It's this crazy, amazing, inexplicable spiritual moment. And and Peter just launches straight in as Peter always does. And he says, wow, this is amazing. Let me build an altar for you three. We can build altars for all three of you. But I want you to see what's going on here. In this moment, who Jesus was was changed in the eyes of Peter and John and James. And in the middle of Peter's sentence, God interrupts him and changes everything. I want to say this. Some of you are sitting there and you are needing recognition to come in your job. It's time. You know it's time. You need to be recognized for who you do, for the value that you bring. It's time for promotion. You know it. God has said it. But you're still waiting. For some of you, you're looking for your parents or your family members, your loved ones to finally see who you are. Some of you, it's time. You know it. You need to know who you are. For years, you've been searching for yourself. But now it's time. The time has Come, let me tell you that while you're waiting, while you are seeking God in the middle of your sentence, in the middle of your thing, in the middle of a meeting, in the middle of something where you don't even expect it, God is going to do something that changes the way the people around you think about you. That's what God does. And he does it amazingly. This is what he does with Jesus right now. If there was any doubt in Peter or John or James, mind that Jesus was the Messiah now no longer and when God speaks out of heaven we're about to read it now but when he speaks in the middle he interrupts Peter's sentence while Peter is still speaking God interrupts him and he cries out like a thunderous voice and he speaks into this moment the word says that in that moment these these men all fell on their faces if dead they became frightened they became overwhelmed by this situation in that moment, God was changing the way that they saw Jesus and they fell down. And we're going to read this together because I want you to see something. It took something spectacular for these three to fully have their minds changed about who Jesus was. That spectacular thing didn't come from inside of Jesus. It came from God. Some of us are looking for recognition. We are currently unrecognized, but you know what? God's got to do it. And I want to encourage you because you need to know two things. Number one, he's going to do it just at the right time. Number two, your value still doesn't come from that. You will be recognized. He is going to bring recognition to you, but that's not where your value comes from. Come on, we're looking for health. Let's read it together. Matthew chapter 17 from verse five to eight. You can turn in your Bibles. Let's read together. It says this. While he was still speaking, while Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, covered the whole place. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son 
whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Wow, this is God speaking. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. Now watch this. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So let's just track this picture in our minds. God does this amazing thing and this cloud comes out and they fall face down and they're terrified and it's thundering and lightning and then they hear Jesus and he says, don't be afraid, get up. And as they do, as they look up, all they see now is Jesus. Moses is gone, Elijah is gone, the great cloud is gone, the thundering voice is gone. And that's where it kicks in. It was never anyone other than Jesus. Even though this spectacular thing happened, it wasn't that Jesus was changed. This is who Jesus was the whole time. Some of us are looking to be recognized in our lives. God is trying to tell you that you are who he made you to be all along. All along, you are who he made you to be. And it's time for you to look again at yourself and recognize that even when the spectacular happens and everyone recognizes you for who you are, in fact, you were always who God wanted you to be. And this is how we begin to look healthily at ourselves, not through our own perspective, not through our spouse's perspective, not through our kids or our family's perspective, but through God's perspective of who we are. This is how we find security in an insecure world where we know who we are in God. What does God say to Jesus or about Jesus? He says, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. See, Jesus knew it the whole time. He thought John recognized him. Eventually John changed his mind. But Jesus knew it the whole time. Even when he wasn't recognized, he knew this one thing that kept him secure in who he was. That God knew who he was. He was the son of God. And no matter what anyone said, that's who he was. He didn't need anyone else's recognition as long as he had his father's recognition. And come on, this is what you and I need today. Some of us today are struggling with insecurity. Some of us are struggling with deep insecurity about who we are and what value we bring. But I'm telling you today, that you can be secure because God recognizes you even when no one else recognizes you. Don't go searching for it in this world. Don't go searching for it in other people when you can find it in your God who keeps you grounded and secure no matter if people are praising you or people are tearing you down or just ignoring you completely. 
God secures you just like he secured Jesus. And so I want to pray for you today. If you're watching this and you are struggling with this idea of recognition and you know you need it and you want it, but you want to be healthy. Some of us know we have an unhealthy desire to be recognized by others. Some of us are getting our value from others. Some of us are not in a healthy space and we want to get there. I want to pray for you today and I want to pray for me today because every single one of us needs this message, needs to be reminded of who we are in God so that we no longer have a need inside of ourselves to be fulfilled by human beings, but that our need can be met by God and God alone. If that's you today, will you just receive this as I pray? Lord God, I thank you today that you are the one who secures us. You are the one who tells us who we are, even when the world doesn't recognize us, even when we know who we are and we just want and need others to recognize us for who we are, the effort we put in, God, you recognize us. And in fact, that is all that we need. I pray today for those who need that recognition that you would remind them and show them that you recognize them today. You are there with them today and that they can be secure in you. I pray for those brokennesses, those that have relationships that have hurt them, relationships that have harmed them with spouses or with family members or with friends or with those that are closest to them that have actually hurt them or even destroyed them and made them believe they are something they are not. I pray today you remind us that we are who you make us and no one can take that away. I pray today that Lord God, you start moving us towards a road of health, that we would not just be physically healthy, but emotionally and spiritually healthy too. I pray that you do that in us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.